Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. But we really, it was sincere. It really was. Really wanted to go to the next level with God. And so we had this whole idea. We're like, man, what if we had this secret society? No joke. Hey. No laughing. Don't laugh. No laughing. What if we had the society where we just bring in only those who are so on fire, those men of God who are on fire for God? Stop laughing, Alyssa. Our hearts are right. We're like, man, this is going to be so cool. We were really getting into Jesus culture at the time and and just begging God to be here with us. And, uh, and I love Jesus culture. I'm just, some songs out there, they're begging God to be somewhere where he already is. Right? Come on. So we don't have to do that. But our hearts were sincere. They really were. That's where we came up with the term BC, brother in Christ. Yeah. And we still call each other BC. We do. And um, you got the tat and I never did. I know. Yeah, so he's committed to it. But I, but I think of those times together, Pete, and it was just, um, it was an amazing time of growing together on a journey. Yeah. And then we discovered really... We always believed in the grace of God, but we started to discover this grace and love like we had never seen before. Yeah. And, and we would have these conversations sometimes where we'd just be in tears together, thinking about how much we tried so hard to be something yeah. when we already were. And it was awakening to who we were. And it's this love and grace that, that stirred that up inside us. Yeah. And it's so cool, man, to see we're on the journey still together. And I'm so excited for what you have to share today, bro. Good. I just want to tell you, I love you. I love you too, man. Thank you so much. Give him another warm, warm welcome. Wow. Wow. You know, yeah, thanks, Pastor. I'm glad, I'm not glad Vicky's not here, but she always holds handkerchiefs whenever I preach. Because she knows, I don't know, she knows she's going to cry. And Pastor just set me off on a good note there but no you know what I remember when we were playing in Italy and we were in this city was it Lira Lira the city of Lira it was very big and their culture of music was huge and we're going on right before the main act I'm playing drums right and there's these other bands that are there and this other drummer comes up to me and I recognize him because he's the main act drummer and uh, he's like, hey, man, how's it going, man? You know, he was just so cool and down to earth and just real. And I was like, wow, you're not like this image or, you know, projected person that a lot of bands try to personify their stage presence. And anyway, all this other stuff. Anyway, long story short, he, he just said, basically said to me, he said, you know what? You just need to be yourself. And him saying that to me really freed me from the image that I thought I was as a drummer, that I had to perform up to this guy's standards, or I had to be as good as this guy's standards. So I'm not wearing a cream suit in front of you this morning trying to be Benny Hinn. You know what I'm saying? So what you get today is just me, and I'm just an average husband and a father of four daughters, it's just me. It's just me. So I was going to, you know, start out with some cool stuff, but I am an emotional person. I blame Sarah McLaughlin for all them dog commercials. You know, it, it doesn't take 
much for me to be sobbing. And literally, the tears will just flow when everyone starts, you know, just to cry or it just sets the dam open. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't hold anything back. So I did, I want to share this though. Every time someone gets up in front of someone else, okay, this is going to be like church like never you've had before. All right, we're just going to clear the air of that because, like I said, it's just me. So there was this pastor friend of mine. His his name was Pastor Jim Scalise. He he preached in the old building that we had before he came over here. Awesome, awesome brother who honestly loved everyone. And every time before he preached, he would say, can I just tell you, I love you. And you know what? That impacted me. And that brings me to my first story that's not in my notes. Um, We lost, and here we go. Thank you, Sarah. We lost our family dog a while ago. Thank you so much. And you know what? Daisy was a part of our family for 12 years. And it was a sudden loss that really impacted our family. She was hit out in front of our house and instantly killed. And it was just tragic. Well, over the Christmas time, a couple months had gone by and it was Christmas. And my daughters and my wife were showing me pictures of dogs. And honestly, I can tell you, I'm not ready for another dog. Because I hadn't got over the loss. And it's that, it's that loss, it's that pain that's real. Because I understand that when you love someone, in return, they're supposed to love you back. And there's a rapper I listen to that he says, if you trust you will be trusted. And if you love, then you can be loved. The pain of losing my dog, I wasn't ready to love another dog because that pain was real. And it's still real, and I feel sometimes I still carry it around. Um, But we talk about this good, good father that we have. He loves us so much. And the biggest thing is that he loved us first. So even though you might be sitting there and you might say, you know what, Peter? You know, I am, I'm not ready. I had a bad father figure. I had a bad childhood. I'm not ready to tear the wall down and open myself up to that pain that's real when your best friend snaps the knife off in your back and you never see him again or you get stabbed with a spoon why a spoon cousin because it hurts more name that movie come on that's robin hood come on there we are why a spoon cousin no anyway but you know what i tell you like never before church service like never before it just is what it is so you know what If you say, I'm just not ready to love yet, 
because that wall of that pain is real. I'm here to tell you, that's okay. We're here to love you. Jesus is here to love you. Until you're ready. Wow, can I get started? Wow, Sarah McLaughlin, I'm telling you. You know what I'm talking about when that music comes on and you haven't even saw one dog yet and you're like, no! <sighs> oh, Pastor Jim, Jim Scalise, man. Can we pray and everybody keep your eyes open and look up here? Father God, I thank you for all my friends and family that have gathered here today that your Holy Spirit would impact us and that we could just be real. Amen. Amen. Wow, I am excited today. Who's excited? I'm excited. I'm excited to unveil this. Let's hear this. Here, I got something for you. For many people, the word Christian brings up thoughts, images, and ideas that have nothing to do with Jesus. Did everybody hear me? If there's a no, I will read it again. Thoughts, images, and ideas that have nothing to do with Jesus. The problem isn't and never has been Jesus, but what comes with him. So my question and what I am speaking on today is what comes with your Jesus. Woo! Um, I tend to be a competitive person. I don't know where I found that in my upbringing. Uh, my kids, they have taken after my wife. She's competitive as well. We kind of get at it once in a while. <laughs> And, and my daughters, man, you know, they're, they're always at each other. They, they are competitive. And through this competitive thought that I have, I seem to branch that out into everything I do. Not really, maybe you might think of sports right out of the gate, but you know when you look at something and you're like, you realize structurally how this is built and you say to yourself, man, I can build that better. Or you know what? How does this function? Because this function could be different to serve more people. You know what I mean? So every time I look at something, I do something, I don't, I don't care if it's sitting in a chair. Man, if this chair had more lumbar support, I would be more comfortable. You know, I'm, it's that thought of making things better, improving, I don't know, everything society, my world, whatever I do, whatever I look at, and I'm like, why, does, why is this car so loud? Can we add some more insulation so I don't hear mm, when I'm going down the road? You know, it, it's one of them competitive things, and heaven forbid I bring that into these four walls of the church with me. Because you know what? I'm just being me. So I'm just being me. So I sit in here, and I was raised in church. My dad was a pastor when I was in school. So being grown in the church, I looked and saw and heard lots of ideas of church, what we do here. So besides all the building aspects of it, I want us to break down our thoughts today, and I want you to seriously think about
what comes with your Jesus. Okay? So in me, bringing my thoughts of competitiveness and changing things, it leads me to my two, three-year-old self and all of our children, or as we were when we were younger, and we looked at our parents and we just said, why? You'd say something to your kid, and they're like, why? And they go through that phase of everything that you do. Why? Why, Daddy? Why? Why, Mommy? I mean, why don't you go get a glass of water? Why? I'm like, do I have to explain everything to you? Well, does the church have to explain everything to us as being the church? My answer is yes. I want to know. Why do we do this? Why do we not do this? Or why do they do that and we don't? Or we do this and they don't? So, do you remember this story about this girl who, she's a newlywed, she just gets married. She says to her mom, Mom, I'd really like to cook for Christmas this year. And the mom's like, okay. And she's like, well, what do we really do, Mom? I know that we have ham. How do we do it? And the mom says, well, when you're cooking it, you put it in here, you do it like this. You cut the ends off the ham, and you move forward, you bake it, la, 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 la. And she says, why, Mom? She's like, what do you mean? Why do we cut the ends off the ham? The mom's like, I don't know. That's how my sister did it. So the sister, they call the sister. Sister, why do we cut the ends off the ham? Sister says, that's how mom did it. So now she's like, Grandma, Grandma, why do we cut the ends off the ham? Well, my mom cut the ends off the ham. Well, she wasn't around anymore, but she told me, come to find out, the pan that they had, that great-grandma had, wasn't big enough to fit the ham. So for years and for generations, they've been cutting the edge of the ham off because great-grandma had been cutting it off because her pan wasn't big enough. Come on, somebody. That has nothing to do with here in the church. That's my next story. And I hope I get through it without crying. Woo! So, we're at a wedding, and we're in a church, and I'm not going to get specific, but we're in this church, and I'm sitting there through the wedding practice, the rehearsal, because our second oldest daughter, Cadence, is the flower girl. They're practicing, coming down the aisle, coming up here and standing, you know, doing everything they do for practice, and I'm like, this is great. We're just sitting there with our other three, watching her walk up and down. Everybody's doing their thing. There, you know, there's a few people sitting around. And the bride says, well, yeah, well, we're going to have, the, you know, the moms come in first. You know, the ushers will escort them in. They'll sit here on the front row next to my dad, la, la, la. And the minister says, no, hold up. Oh, I'm sorry, we don't allow anyone to sit in the front row. Why? Right? I'm running in my mind. Why? Why? Uh, my ears perk up. I'm sitting back there, and I'm like, oh, that's really weird. And she says, well, you know, I really, I really envisioned, you know, our parents, you know, my parents sitting on the front row, you know, and, and, and my, 
my grandma. And, you know, just that's what she thought. And he's like, no, I'm sorry. We don't allow anyone to sit in the front row. So a couple minutes go by. I stand up, and I go out into the back. And as I go out into the hall, I find the bride is out there sobbing. Woo! Sarah McLaughlin. So she's crying. And I'm like, you're not in the wrong here. And she said, I feel so bad because now I feel like Bridezilla. Like, is it really that much to ask? I, I, I mean, she, in her mind, her vision of her marriage, right? Who in a woman's eyes is huge. The guy doesn't think about the ceremony, if you know what I'm saying. So the woman, you know, the white dress, the beauty, Everything's perfect. She's shattered. She's shattered. In my mind, when this happened, I sat in my seat and time stood still. I stood up and barked, excuse me, barked a few things at the minister. And not, you know, I'm not vulgar, nothing, nothing outlandish, but... I had a few things to say, and it upset me to the point where, you ask my wife, I didn't sleep good for four nights. Because my question was, why? Why? You save it for Jesus? Because he's obviously not here. (laughs) Why don't we take that first row out, seeing how no one's allowed to set in it? Are you hearing me? Oh, but then it would be the next row would no one would be able to sit, and that would become the front row, and the saga continues. And I was just, I was up to here. I'd had it. I I was literally, so now, how about that minister go to that bride and lead her to Jesus? Go ahead and try, because you just shattered her life. On one decision, really? You cut the edges off the ham? Really? Did it matter? I tell you, like, church service like never before. So here we are. Another thing that I wouldn't say I have a problem with, but we are on a roll. And it's, it's some of these Christianese words. Anybody know what Christianese words are? They're words that, as a culture, the church has used that we who grew up in church and are familiar with church, we totally understand them. But for someone coming in that's fresh and new, they say, I got, what What does that really mean? What does that really mean? My first word, just as an example, and it's a, cheesy kind of example. It's world. I kind of said this one just to hit home a point. For God so loved the world. He so loved the world. God loved the world. Not just loved, so loved. Do not be conformed to the So, you know, so being raised up, I'm like, what's this world got? I'm like, 
they got a disease? I'm like, the world? I don't want anything to do with them. See, the world has turned into, it's us and the world. But it's not just us and the world. It's us versus the world. Hold on. Yet Jesus says, go into all the world. How can I go into all the world when they're the world? And we're, we're. I don't even know what that means. It's like, we want the world to come in here, but then would we be the world? Because we don't want to conform. See, if we don't explain the definitions and we don't understand the context of what things are written, we pull scripture out. Heaven forbid we take that scripture and it becomes doctrine in what we believe here. And then no one sits in the front two rows. What? My next word. Are you ready? Believer. Psst. Hey, are you a believer? You go out in the world. You guys aren't believers, are you? What's a believer? A believer? Are you kidding me? Everyone is a believer. But what do you believe in? We're all believers. Case in point, my wife and I, we like U of M. We're not Spartan haters, but we like U of M. I'm a believer in U of M. I root for U of M. My wife, she could care less about U of M basketball, but she loves U of M football. She doesn't have the same beliefs as U of M that I have in U of M. Our beliefs are different. Look to the person next to you and say, our beliefs are different. Do you know there's not one person, there's not one person in here or in all of the world that believes the same as you, a world, or in all of the church body that believes the same as you. There isn't. You are a soul believer. I'm a believer. You're a believer. We're all believers. But what do they believe in? Why am I going to bash someone else because they don't have the same beliefs as me? Hold on a second. Okay, we might have 50,000 things in common, but there's one thing that you don't believe that I believe? We can't be friends. The problem is when we're so dogmatic in our beliefs that we can't change. More importantly, we can't even see the other's point of view. So there's these two guys. These two guys are best friends, right? They're best friends. They do everything together. Well, they got into a conversation which turned into a discussion 
where it's turned into an argument. The argument goes on. They both have heat in their house. The one guy has natural gas, and he says, my natural gas burns way hotter than your propane. And the other guy, you know, my propane is way hotter than your natural gas. Well, they couldn't be friends anymore. They split up because one was hotter and the other was hotter and just turned into this family feud. They were actually ushers in the church and they caused a huge church split. No, I'm not serious. (laughs) But sometimes, sometimes it's how cheesy our discussions turn into. And I'm like, what? I'm like, man, I'm a real person. I stand up before you with some real issues. I'm not perfect. We're not perfect. Our beliefs are different. Why? Why do we question everyone else? Why aren't you like me? Why aren't you more like me? What I believe is really good. Oh, we're going to get to that. So remember, for some of us who are churchy, remember when you thought the narrow path to God was going through the eye of the needle in the dark, backwards, on your knees, in glass, with a leather-bound King James in each hand, and your eyes were closed. All the rules, right? All the rules. This is how I get to God, right? Remember then, if you were to think now of what it was then, what would you say to yourself? Because at one time, those were our thoughts. Those were our beliefs. Those were real to us. I thought I had to do this to be a good Christian. I thought I had to behave like this. It was behavior modification in order for me to fit in, in order for me to have God accept me, not knowing he's already accepted me, but I couldn't accept myself because I didn't even know what his thoughts were of me. But now the more I know of his thoughts, the more I say, wow, you are so good. You love me. You love us so much. Thank you, Jesus. Our views and our beliefs change. Yearly, monthly, weekly, daily. How many remember that old school church song? He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and, and Mars. How lovely and patient he must be, because he's still working on me. And some of us say, some of us say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for still working on me, because I stopped working on myself 22 years ago. You did? Why? Why? Why do we have these thoughts? Oh, 
this is just how I believe. This is how I am. This is just who it is. What does that mean? You don't want to change. You don't want to better yourself. You don't look forward to 2019 to make better decisions, to better your marriage, to better your job. We're stuck in a rut. Oh, if you're not going forward, brother, you're going backwards. I'm like, what does that mean? I'm like, well, I used to think I was in neutral when I was a teenager. Can I just sit in neutral? Because I'm a little scared to go forward because I don't want God to smite me. Yet at the same time, if I go back, Lucifer's back there. (laughs) See, us church folk, we laugh real loud. But if you would have been here four weeks ago on a Wednesday, you would understand that the word Lucifer is only mentioned in the Bible one time, and it's only referring to a star that's up in the sky. It has nothing to do with Satan, the devil, his demons, or anything. Yet most of us have been Hollywoodized, I made that up, in order for us to understand, and we've like, Lucifer, that's the devil. What? We're like giving him power that he doesn't even have. And give, we're naming all the, oh, I can't, do oh, that. Oh, mm. Let's continue. <laughs> Our beliefs have to keep growing. They have to keep changing. Morphing into a greater us. How many here is the same today than they were 10 years ago? Not I. And I'm glad for it. But none of us in here have the same beliefs. Wow. This is actually one of my first times seeing this. So we bought our grandfather's farm. Yeah, go ahead, laugh. We bought my grandfather's farm almost three years ago, babe. Almost three years ago. There is a multitude of things that I'm unearthing. <laughs> this, being, this has been up in the garage, up above the garage, uh, in our garage, obviously. It's garage. And I've glanced at it from time or two. You know, it's been up there, you know, and I'm like, oh, there's a painting or something up there. Go by, on my way, you know. I mean, there's a lot of stuff up there. It's like, really? It's like, I, was, I don't know. And I'm like, you know what? I want to get that painting down. Um, is there someone that would come up here and look this over for an author? Any hands? Anyone? Pastor, thank you. Thank you for volunteering. My wife stood up, but Pastor, is there an author or, um, you know, someone who, what do you see down there? Oh, yeah. Oh, see? What? Do painters have a code? They do. So painters have a code. The bottom right corner is where they sign. Is there a name? Can you take a guess? Because I'd really like to Google this because if this is worth millions, I'm paying the farm off. You know what I'm saying? Holler at your boy. Monarity. All right, we're going. Wow. We're going Monarity. I like that. Monesty. Monet. Holler. Holler. Yes. Are you Monet? Come on. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Monet. Uh, whew, I did. Was there a flutter there? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Is it beautiful? 
put a different frame on it. Yeah, it's straight up broke. Like, I, like, click this back into the top here. Um, it has a bow in it. I don't know if that's normal for an old painting. I, I pulled it down late last night and threw it in the truck. And I'm like, this is what we need for today. Okay? Just as us Jesus followers need to change, everything needs to change. Painting needs to change. What, Monesti? What would you think if Monesti painted this painting and he, she stepped back and said, you know what? This is it. That's it. And they put their brushes down and said, this, this, is, this is my final piece. I'm, I'm done. I don't need to paint again. This is it. How many have done something and everybody else takes a look at it and says, wow, that is beautiful. But you being the author of that said, you know, if I had a chance to do that again, I would do this different because I see the flaws in it. Right? You'd be like, I would do that a little bit different my next time around. But this time around, everybody thinks it's awesome. Just as us Jesus followers change, painting needs to change. What would it be like if we only had a couple paintings in the world and paintings never got to morph into all the cultures that painting has today? I'm not up to date with painting, forgive me. So all the eras that painting has gone through, um, name some for me. Uh, Renaissance, is that like deco? I'm just throwing something out there. Uh, Okay, never heard that before. It's awesome. Uh, you know, where, where, where it goes into all these bright colors and splashes. and Yeah, in all these eras of painting, they're, they're taking the painting and, and turning it into something. It's changing, right? It's changing. There's a lot of people throughout history that have innovated and led change. And here's one, for example. His name's Martin Luther. He insisted that God's grace could not be purchased with money or good deeds. He insisted that everyone have their own copy of the Bible in a language that they could read. And he believed that everyone had a divine calling on their life to serve God, not just those that worked in the church, the priests, the rabbis, the pastors. These were earth-shattering ideas. I look at these ideas today, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. But at this time, they were earth-shattering ideas. People didn't think like this. And you know what it did? It brought thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people got to connect with God on a whole nother level. This impacted the church. So they got to say, you mean I get to have my own Bible and take it home and I get to read it? I just don't have to listen to the priest read it to me, which is great, but now I can be a minister and I can share something with somebody else? What? Like, mind-blowing for them to change as being Jesus followers and morph into this new idea that he had. Times change. God doesn't, 
times change. Culture changes. God doesn't. How many know bell bottoms when they first came around? They've been coming back for a long time. I was telling my wife, she named some pants that I used to wear way back in the day. And I'm like, yeah, I still got them. I said, you know what? Those were my first wide leg jeans. Wide leg jeans. Man, back then, they were like skinny jeans today. I'm like, you know, boot cut. Can you all see me? Boot cut, you know, was a little bigger on the bottom to go over your boots. Who got some boots? Holler. Yep. I got two pair of cowboy boots. Anyway, so I want us to think about our beliefs, and I want us to think about our faith. Faith. That's another one of them words that I don't have in my notes. Faith. Man, you got to have faith. You don't have enough faith. You need to have more faith. Hey, you want to join the faith? Like, what are you talking about? What is all this... What's, it's, these are more Christianese words. Now, I might be stepping on some toes, but at the same time, sometimes we have a dialect that other people don't understand. And we want them to come in and flood you know, our seats, and we're like, we're, we're, we are not relating to them. Are you following me? Why is that? I <laughs> See, I ask why. Are we stuck there? Can we not change? Do we just use these words? Or are we, are we going through a good... Uh, definition process to say, hey, this is what this means. Or let's simplify this and make it mean something else and not try to be so haughty that I'm talking above everybody else's head because look at me. I'm, 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 I'm a figure here in this building. <laughs> Come on. Think about this. A leader comes along. Painting a new aspect. It's fresh. It's exciting. It moves the church into a deeper relationship with God like never before. Then the painter dies. And the followers of that painter, they freeze the faith. What we tend to overlook is the fact that that painter, searching for a deeper revelation of God, he's just like you and me. He's just like you and I. She's just like you and I. Searching for God, a simple person. You realize that the, the apostles, the disciples, were all rejected by the temple? Back in the day, there were young kids that had to go take a test before the minister. They went to take a test. They all failed the test because he sent them home. You go home and learn your father's craft. You learn to be a tax collector. You learn to be a fisherman. Because if they would have passed the test, then they would have been invited into the temple. But they all failed. They're just like you and I. They're average Joes. Average people. And Jesus came along and said, you're who I want. You're who I want. You're who I want. For some, for some, the painting works. It appeals. Maybe it appeals to your parents. For some, maybe it appeals to what you thought when you were a little kid. You look back at it and it takes you there. 
man, I remember when. Those were good times. And that's okay to have good times. That's okay. But now they're no longer relevant. Not, understand me here, I wrote this down just for you. Not that there isn't truth in it. Or that it misguided those that it guided in the past. You have to understand, we're not bashing the past. I'm not bashing the thoughts that Martin Luther had of everyone carrying around a Bible. That's awesome. He impacted. He, he painted a new aspect for the church body at that time. But I can't count how many Bibles I have in my house. They're in boxes, they're in shelves, they're in my kid's toy room. There's Bibles everywhere. Granted, first world problems. I have a lot of Bibles in my house. There's some places in the world, they don't have any Bibles. So Martin Luther's aspect of everyone have a Bible, it's still relevant to them. But you know what? It's not relevant to me today in today's culture. It doesn't meet where I am. Do you understand? It's outdated. It has nothing to say with the world that we live in today. Can I do something that's like, this is like, this is like, this isn't in my notes either. This is like taking the gloves off in a boxing match. You ever go bare bare knuckle? I haven't. Can I see your Bible, Dad? Are you ready? That's okay. I'll take it in the binder and everything. I don't want to mess it all up. If there was a, if there was a, a, a shelf up here, I could set this up here. I could set this Bible up here. And I would say, what in here? Oh, now I'm, t- I'm stepping on some toes. What in here? isn't relevant for you today. Not that there isn't any truth in it, because there is. Don't misunderstand me. But at the same time, there are dozens, if not hundreds of scripture. And whoa, 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 this is, a, this is God's word. Yes, it is. There are dozens of scriptures in here that don't have anything to do with us. They might be talking about Jewish culture. They might be talking about story of the times. We don't dress like them. You don't see me wearing a gown with, with pomegranates and bells, you know, around on the bottom in order for me to bring forth the word of the Lord. Why is that? That's because I'm not going to fall down dead in the Holy of Holies because I was unclean so that I could have a rope tied around my waist and they could drag me out. Because we live in the Holy of Holies. We are the Holy of Holies. You have been everything he's looking for. Amen? So why do we pull scripture out of here and we turn one scripture into our church doctrine and we say, this is what we stand on. I'm like, what? Why? That has nothing to do with Jesus. And then it turns more into the outside world looks at us and they're like, why does that church do that? That's crazy. That has nothing to do. What? They, oh, that's right. That's their religion. That's what they do. If you've been a 
coming here for a while to Faith City, you would understand that the word religion defined means returning to bondage. Whew, man, that set me free. Because I don't have a religion. I love Jesus. I love God the Father. Not even as much as he can love me. But I'm finding new ways of his love for me and for you. We have to keep painting. We have to keep painting or the paintings of the past will be put in the garage. So here's the key. The tradition. What's the tradition? The tradition is we have ham at Christmas time. It's not we cut the edges of our ham off. We have ham. The tradition is we get together as a family around the holidays. These are our tradition. The tradition is painting. Let me read this for you. The tradition is not making copies of the same painting over and over. The challenge is to take that which is great and transfer that into your painting in the process making something beautiful and new for today. That's the challenge. I gotta take what's good out of here and put it into my painting because as I paint, I'm painting on my canvas of life. As you paint, you're painting your canvas of life every day. So the tradition is to still paint. The tradition is to still have the ham. But it's making it better. Okay, what can we do this year? Oh, let's, let's do a nice, a nice honey glaze on the ham and see if that's good enough. Or you know what? Here's a thought. Let's actually cook the ham. Most people have no idea what that means. I don't know which one of my parents fell into that a few years ago, but I don't know if it was an accident. I don't know. I don't know if it was an accident, but now, you know what we call it? Dirty brown ham. Because we're not just, you know, ham's already pre-cooked. So most people just warm it up and they serve it pink. Well, my dad cooks it until it's brown. And it, it I don't know what it does. But the juices, everything that's put into it, come out of it. And I tell you, it is the best gravy in the world. And the ham is just like fall apart, like supple. So good. You know what I'm saying? So the tradition is taking something and making it better. But we're still using it. If we're not using it, it's going in the garage. This painting's going to end up in the basement. It's going to end up, I don't, I don't, dad, do you ever, have you, was this ever hanging in the farm? I have no idea where this came from. I have no idea what point in time this hung in a house. How many, does this, does this painting relate to anyone? You say, man, that's my style. I would hang that in my house. You see, my hand's not going up. Oh, you like that? That's awesome. This isn't my style. I'm into bright splotches and some color, holler. I, I don't know, abstract. That's what I was looking for earlier. The art of abstract painting. 
taking painting and morphing it into something new, taking your beliefs and turning them into something new. And I'm not saying that we change the core of who we are, but if we're stuck on all this frivolousness that has nothing to do with Jesus, and I'm trying to talk to another brother or the world, and I'm trying to show them how good the Father is, yet I have all these rules and beliefs that say, no, you have to do it this way. What? What, Who does that make sense to? I'm learning the more I understand, the less I know. And as I learn new things, they are actually not new. I'm just uncovering and dusting them off again. People, grace isn't new. Yet just because it's new in my life in the last few years, when did grace show up? Jesus brought truth and grace. Grace showed up when Jesus showed up. Grace isn't new, but that aspect, that painting of grace, it's new for my life. So I might be on the grace run and the grace kick, and it is changing my life incredibly, outpouring more of who the Father, how good he is to me, changing my life, my family's life in a deep way. But I can tell you what, I'm not going to stay there because there's another step for me. But if you'd have told me years ago about grace, I'd have been like, man, that's blasphemy. I'd have been like, man, that that doesn't fit in my box of beliefs that I have right now. That's not, uh, um, you know, we're taking steps. We're changing. We're changing. So what are you painting on your canvas? What comes with your Jesus? My last statement for some maybe religious folk. I'm convinced that Jesus is the way. These are some core things that I stand on. That I might not fluctuate. But if I find out the truth of something or something else, it's not going to change where I stand even though I'm not so dogmatic at one thing that I can't see someone else's point of view and saying, man, I remember when I was like that. Because if all I do is shut the door and say, uh-uh, I'm not, I can't be friends with you. Who am I? I was that guy a few years ago. I was that guy 15 years ago. I'm just going to love on them and encourage them. Hey, man, you're going after God. They haven't got to this painting yet. They haven't got to the morphing of where I might be today. It doesn't mean that I have to put them down or that they're wrong. None of us believe the same. I'm convinced that Jesus is the way. I'm convinced that my life is better with Jesus. And I'm convinced that no matter what life throws at me, what what life throws at you, that with Jesus, we can get through it. Isn't it so good? Would you stand up with me? Can I pray for you? Oh, Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you for this awesome day, and I managed to make it through without saying one thing about the Super Bowl and Tom Brady. Come on, somebody. Thank you, Jesus.
We're going to have a good time tonight. But right now, Father, I'd like us to just focus on where we are, where we are with you. Do we have baggage that we've been dragging around? Thoughts and ideas that have maybe held us back or held us from sharing the love of the Father to someone else? Someone that might be in need, but at the same time we say we can't relate with them because they're not at the level that we are. Or they think religiously different than what I am. Maybe they're just looking for someone to love them. Someone to reach out, someone to know that they actually care. I thank you, Jesus, that the Holy Spirit's speaking to us this morning. And we continue to keep changing our beliefs, our attitudes, that our faith is still changing and growing. I thank you for everything that you're doing in my brother and sister's lives, in my lives. You are so good. Let us keep searching after you, Jesus. You're right there. You said you'd never leave us. You'd never forsake us. We are never outside of where you are. You go with us everywhere. And Father God, you're still working on me to make us what we ought to be. Thank you for that, Jesus. I thank you for this time. I ask that everything that you need to say through my lips would stay with the ears that heard it today. And if I said anything that you didn't want me to say, that they wouldn't be able to remember any of that because it's just me. I thank you for all you're doing in our lives. I give you all the honor and glory in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.